Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and it is August 29th, 2020. And last night I also found an unusual post in regard to Matthew McConaughey talks to Dr. Fauci. Oh, look at that. It worked. Electricery. Success. A green light. This is my first time hosting. Uh, an IG Live. Thanks, for everybody, for being here. Um, I'm going to do a few things. Ba, ba, ba. That. We're going to have a great talk. Where we got those. Aha! Here's my gift. Waiting for. Hope everyone's doing good out there. Taking care of yourself and your loved ones as much as possible. Crazy times, huh? Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> there he is. <clears throat> Dr. Fauci. Thank you for Hi. being here today with me. My pleasure, Mr. McConaughey. Thank you for having me. Really looking forward uh, to this. We have no more than an hour, and I think that will be the biggest challenge. I know for my end is keeping this under an hour because I feel like I could have a good time talking to you and find out some, uh, some info for much longer than that. But to get started, I want to give everybody out there some context of my involvement in this interview. First off, this is not a political conversation for me. Um, I'm not here to take a side on any half of the political aisle. I am here to ask Dr. Fauci questions, many of which I've written down, hopefully to get some scientific answers from you, the top infectious disease expert in America, a man who is also the lead member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force addressing COVID-19. My hope is to lead this meeting with a more defined roadmap for all of us going forward, a roadmap of where and how we Americans should collectively march onward and forward in this COVID crisis. That's my goal, to get some science and some certainty, because I, like many of you out there, am still kind of confused about a lot of stuff. So, Dr. Anthony Fauci, thanks for your time. Good to be with you. Let's do it. All right. So to start off, I figured we'd do some true and false questions, sort of myth busters, fast finders. Uh, this will be a quicker round. We can go through these. Um, if we get through these, have some more time. I've got some longer uh, questions to have. But to start off, um, let's just clear it up. How the virus is transmitted. And can you get it from surfaces or only via air? It's transmitted predominantly by the respiratory route, droplets or aerosolized from one person to another. It is conceivable but very unlikely that you can get it from fomites. You can you can clearly fomites means inanimate objects, doorknobs, you know, computer, whatever. It can, it can occur, but it is the very minor component of transmission. Overwhelmingly, it's person to person through the respiratory route. Got it. So that original theory of hey, it lives on surfaces for seventy two hours. That was just a number, and that's a bit of a just a, a number that was thrown out there. No, it can. No, what actually, uh, what, what investigators have done is that they've gone and shown that you can get it off surfaces, off cloth for 72 hours. What hasn't been shown is that it is an inoculum that's large enough to actually transmit. So it is absolutely true that you can isolate it from doorknobs, steel, chrome, or what have you for up to 72 hours. But okay. we don't think that that is a major modality of transmission. Got it. Second one. So it is a respiratory respiratory virus, and that's how it, it's majorly being uh, spread. So we know that. 
that's a fact. Why not make, make a mask mandate across the United States and fine people for not wearing masks? If that's well, how you get it. Yeah. You make a really good point. That is the subject of a lot of debate. And the reason is that, first of all, my recommendation, as, as you probably know, because I've said it publicly so many times, is that absolutely we should have universal wearing of masks. The difficulty with mandates is that there tends to be a pushback about do you have to waste time enforcing it or can you really use the power of persuasion from the leadership, everybody doing it because it's so important. And there's yeah. a debate whether you get any extra mileage out of mandating it. For myself personally, I would say everybody should have to use it. Okay. Next one. Is it true that type A blood is more likely to get sick than the type O or less? The answer is yes, Matthew, but it's such a slight difference that it isn't something where people with type A need to start worrying a lot. The difference between one blood type and the other is significant but minuscule. Okay. Does Advil make the virus worse? Does what? Advil make the virus worse. <laughs> no. <laughs> it no. Doesn't. It's, it's, a bad, it's a bad enough virus to begin with. <laughs> okay. It doesn't need Advil's help. Okay. Right. Right. If you have the antibodies and you already had COVID, can you get it twice? And if so, how would a vaccine be effective to that person, that individual? Yeah. Good question. If you have antibodies that are neutralizing, it will block the virus. What we don't know is how long after you recover from infection, those antibodies last. And whether or not you have antibodies that are very powerful, because some antibodies, they're antibodies to the virus, but they're not very protective. The ones that are really protective are called neutralizing antibodies. Related to your question about the virus, the vaccine, when you vaccinate somebody, we've shown in the early studies, which are now being much more enlarged, that when you vaccinate somebody with the vaccines that are being used now, that are in clinical trial, you induce a level of antibody that's equivalent to, if not greater, than what you get with natural infection, which is a strong predictor that for at least a finite period of time, you will be protected. What we don't know, because we've only been doing this for six months, is how long that protection lasts. Right. Okay. Helpful. What are the possible long-term effects of this virus that nobody's really talking about right now? That is a really good question. And the thing that we need to know when you're dealing with an evolving outbreak is that we've got to be humble and flexible in realizing that this is a work in progress. We're yeah. learning more and more about it. Weeks go by. But to your specific question, we're starting to see more and more people who apparently recover from the actual viral part of it. And then weeks later, they feel weak. They feel tired. They feel sluggish. They feel short of breath. It's a chronic projection forward of symptoms, even though the virus is gone. And we mm. think that's probably an immunological effect. It's very disturbing because if this is true for a lot of people, then just recovering from this may not be okay. You may have weeks where you feel not exactly correct. Right. Inhaled generic Budesonide protects from secondary bacterial infection and the use of zinc. It does interfere with the virus replication of COVID. All of that in vitro 
can work, but there is no evidence now that what you mentioned has any clinical effect. The thing that happens a lot, which confuses people, you get viruses, you put them in a plate or in a culture, and you throw all kinds of things in there. Mm -hmm. And many compounds suppress the replication. But when you get to a clinical trial and you give it to people with the disease, more often than not, those things don't have any beneficial effect. Some do, because if something is gonna work in vivo, it likely will work in a test tube. But there are many more things that work in the test tube that don't work in the body. Okay. Is there any downside to, to, to you know, there are people that, that, that are, are believe that budesonide and, and, and taking zinc is, 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 is working. Is there any downside to, to, to doing it? You know, it, there's a placebo effect to make you feel yeah. better and less anxious. But in reality, Matthew, it doesn't have any effect. Right. Okay. Here you go. We Americans who flock to beaches, bars, and rallies are putting our fellow citizens at risk, especially elders. Right. That is true. True. That is totally true. Yes. And that's one of the messages we have to keep getting across because most of the people who do that are young, healthy, and if they wind up getting infected, it's unlikely that they're going to get seriously ill. So there's this misperception that says, hey, if I get infected, I'm in a vacuum. I'm not hurting anybody. Let me worry about myself. That's completely incorrect. What happens when they own the grandma? Yeah, exactly. Or grandpa or someone's wife who's on chemotherapy for breast cancer or an immunodeficient child. Or an immunodeficient child. Good. Thank you for that. Um, Just clear this up, and it's on this subject. How, if you're asymptomatic, can you spread it? Like you said, a lot of people are asymptomatic. A lot of these youth that are that are that are out there. How can you spread it? Just let's remind us again. You know, another really good question, Matthew, because when you look at the level of virus in the nasopharynx of someone who's symptomatic versus without symptoms, the level is exactly the same. So you can make the assumption that even though you're without symptoms, you can spread it. And as a matter of fact, we know from pretty good studies that asymptomatic people can drive the, 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 the uh, transmission of this virus. Can drive the, yes. Okay, true or false, sunlight kills the virus. It does, that's a truism. That's one of the reasons why outside in the sun, when you are in interacting, that that is much, much better than being inside. Again, stay out of the recirculated air. It's better to be outside and uh, in the open air, sunlight, better than more recirculated air inside. Exactly. And that's the reason why one of the four or five things that we say are important is outside is always better than inside. And that's why when restaurants open, if they open, you encourage tables that are outside and separated from each other. Is this why you think that so many of the island countries have such low numbers? Because they have more of an outdoor lifestyle? That quite, it's quite conceivable that that's the case. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So why are kids not getting as sick as adults? Yeah, that's really a good question that we do not know the answer to that. There are four or five hypotheses. One of the hypotheses is that since this virus is a coronavirus, which is just a class of viruses, there are four coronaviruses that are the 30% 
of all of the common colds that you and I have gotten when we were kids over and over again. It is conceivable that the children who likely more recently had these coronavirus infections that were benign, they have residual immunity that's protecting them not from getting infected, but protecting them from getting sick. That's one hypothesis that I think is quite reasonable. Okay, okay. And even they could be asymptomatic and spread it to an elder or someone with immune deficiency. Without a At doubt. Young age, yes, okay. Without a doubt. All right, another one for you. If everyone in the world actually contracts the disease, what, what, what happens to it? Does it go away on its own? What, what, what happens if everybody... No, no. well, if everyone contracted it, even with the relatively high percentage of people who are without symptoms, Matthew, a lot of people are going to die. Yeah. Because even though, and this is the big misperception that causes so much difficulty in messaging to young people, is that people who are elderly and people at any age who have an underlying condition, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, heart disease, if you look at the United States of America with our, uh, with our uh, epidemic of obesity, as it were, mm-hmm. with the number of people with hypertension, with the number of people with diabetes, if everyone got infected, the death toll would be enormous and totally unacceptable. And that's the reason why we are against saying, let it fly, let everybody get infected yeah. and we'll be fine. That's a bad idea. And that's a reason, is that also a reason why particularly America, as America, we're saying that because we have such high rates in those in those susceptible people. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you look at just people who are obese with diabetes and hypertension, you know, you're talking about, you know, a substantial proportion of the population. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Another question. Why did Asia and the rest of the world slow down? uh, But America seems to be seems to be far behind. Uh, Are are the numbers being reported accurately or is there some some meat behind the fact that Asia's numbers have slowed down? Well, you know, there there are multiple, as you know, multiple countries in Asia, each with a little bit of the different factors involved. However, what they did, which is not exactly what we did, when they shut down, they shut down like bang, everything out. And it went down to a very, very low baseline. When we shut down, if you look at the tracking of the number of people who didn't go to their jobs, the number of visits to grocery stores, the number of visits to public places, we shut down, but it was never in the level that the Asian countries did. So our baseline, and this is the critical issue, we went up and instead of going all the way down, we plateaued at 20,000 cases a day, which is completely unacceptable. And then when we started to do things which were understandable and appropriate, let's open up America again, according to the guidelines. What happened is that we didn't do that in a uniform way. Some states did it better than others, some groups. So what happened is that as we started to open, it went up to 30,000, 40, 50, 60, and we peaked at 70,000 a day. We're down now to 50, but we should have gone all the way down to practically nothing, and we didn't. We're a bit tardy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come back to that subject here shortly, but before so, I want to ask a few more of these quicker questions. True or false? 
We are a minimum of six months from a vaccine, but more likely we are a year or more out from getting a vaccine. No, likely the end of this current year, the beginning of 2021, moderate numbers of doses will be available as we get well into 2021. We should have enough for everybody. Okay. A vaccine does not mean immunity. You just explain that, the basics of that. A lot of people think, oh, a vaccine, that means we've got it licked. doesn't mean immunity. Can you explain that? It does mean immunity, Matthew, but it means that it's not perfect. There are very few vaccines that are, in fact, there are no vaccines that are 100% effective. Vaccines like measles are 97, 98% effective. If we get 50 to 70% effective with this vaccine, I will be very pleased. 50 to 70% effective will be pleasing. Yes. You know why? Because then we can combine it with public health measures. Uh, okay. 50 to 70%. Okay. We're batting 500 with this vaccine. You're happy. As far as the numbers go. I got you. Okay. Um, here you go. This is something that, that I found on the internet that some people have questioned about. Do you have millions of dollars invested in a vaccine? <laughs> Matthew, no. I got zero. I'm a government worker. I have a government salary. That's it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk, uh, segue into some other things, some longer, maybe, uh, form question answers discussions. Let's talk America. We've got a lot going on right now, in particular, in this time in history. Uh, we have high unemployment. We have a Black Lives Matter movement, uh, a presidential race, COVID. For our conversation, uh, continue this. I'm going to try and stick to the COVID-related questions, but... They do inevitably overlap. And my first question is this. Is it fair to say, in looking at the rearview mirror, and looking at our rearview mirror, that as a country, the USA messed up in our initial response to COVID? You, you touched on it earlier about, oh, we were late to respond and we didn't throw out a full mandate. Can you talk about that? Do you think, in looking at the rearview mirror, we could have responded better and how? Yeah. Well, first general answer, absolutely, you could always have done better, for sure. Anybody says they did it perfectly is not facing reality but you're right there were certain missteps early on with the testing issue which we finally corrected there are some things we did really well they are there were some things we moved well we moved appropriately the thing that is of concern back then to me now and unless we correct it in the future we need to pull together in a uniform way because when you have the dynamics of an outbreak, Matthew. If you have one weak link in the chain, you don't win the game. It just will not work. We've got to pull as a nation. And one of the things that's our handicap is that the good news is that we're independent people. That's the kind of thing that we're individual. We don't like authority very much. We don't like to be told what to do. And in the divisive year that you said, and anybody who doesn't think it's divisive, is not paying attention, right. is that you have, it's almost like there's public health and then there's other things. The public health should be a mechanism to open the country. Some people think it's an obstacle to opening yes. up the country. That's a complete misinterpretation. You should I use public health measures to help you to safely open up the country. Amen. Yes. Yeah, I've, uh, um, you know, myself, like a lot of people, have been 
more than disillusioned, actually quite quite uh, full of rage at how uh, the, the COVID has been politicized, all the way from the, the wearing of masks. Uh, if, you, you, if, you, if you wear a mask, you're on the left. If you want to quarantine, you're on the left. If you want to go to work, you, you, you don't wear a mask, you're on the right. That guy, it, 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 and people in this time, psychologically, are looking for identity and purpose. We're in a big time of unknown. And man, so many people have become disillusioned with our, our leadership, but also so many people have fervently cling to the fringes and the extremes of the right and left, which has caused a further divide and a lack of unity that you're talking about. There is no coalition uh, as at present about, about about how to move forward individually and as a collective. Uh, as a collective, we don't. Not enough of us are seeing it. I don't believe as a civic duty and not a reach on our individuality. You said it very well. The one thing that gets lost in this is that when you look upon yourself and your choice of doing what you want to do, even if you don't care that you get infected, you are part of the propagation of the outbreak. So what you are is you're part of the problem instead of part of the solution. And the ironic thing, Matthew, is that the quicker you pull together and get it down, the quicker you're going to get back to normal. Right. It just doesn't make any sense to pit one against the other. Early pain, early inconvenience, bear down, everybody. Team up, long-term gain. You bet. More freedom coming up sooner for, you for, bet. for all. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a very selfish and selfless uh, thing to do at the same time. We are, yes. we, we take care of ourselves. It's, it's, it's good for us, but it's also good for, for everybody. Um, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I'd like us to all understand that and actually get mad at that fact and take and, and take action on that collectively. Um, so we talked about it a little bit and you said, yeah, we could have done things better. You can always look back and say you can do things better. I, I agree on almost all fronts. We should always be able to look back and go, but there's ways we could have done this better. But let's talk about then. Lean back into what we just talked about. How do we turn this page? How do we turn the page and quit swirling in limbo right now? Um, and, 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 and how do we how do we do that? You mentioned it. Let's just repeat that a bit. You know, we've got to do it by realizing that we are all in this together. And unless we do it together, we're not going to get this under control. Because what we're going to see, Matthew, is continually. So you had the outbreak in the southern states. Yep. Florida, Texas, Arizona, California. They finally, after they saw the big surge, did things to turn it around. So if you look at the numbers now, they're going in the right direction. However, there are other states now that are starting to have that little uptick in percent positive. That's a surefire predictor that if you don't do something about it, it's going to take off. And if we don't, we're going to have another up and down. So the one thing we want to avoid is get hit, do okay, then get hit, do okay. That's a losing proposition. We've got to all do it at the same time and get it down. Heard. Okay. Been a lot of confusion with the science and protocol, which is one of the reasons I'm happy to be talking today. Let's get some clear mandates here about how how we can all go forward. There's been a lot of confusion. It's like we've all been waiting for science to catch up. You know, actually, politics has been leading the, the, the science through this, it seems. Why is there no scientific consensus for so long? Oh, and, and, and where is the, 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 the leadership and the unifying voice? I mean, we all, we're all we all looking for a place to go. We're hearing different things. It's very confusing. Yeah, 
Yeah. Now, it's confusing, Matthew, because but I think a lot of people don't understand, and that's quite reasonable why they wouldn't understand, is that if we were dealing with a static situation, what you learn today, the data and the facts and the evidence, wouldn't change your opinion or your recommendation. When you're dealing with something that's an evolving situation, like an outbreak, what people don't understand is that science is self-correcting. So when you're in February and March, and you're looking at the facts that you have, you make some recommendations and policy. What happens is that as things evolve, you get more data and more evidence. And what you need to do, you've got to be flexible and humble enough to say, you know, based on the data I have now, what I was doing back then wasn't perfect. I need to course correct. Course correct. And that's the beauty of science, Matthew, because it's self-correcting. When people see that, they can say, well, you were wrong two months ago. No. Right. What you were doing, you were acting on the data that you had at the time. Yes. That's a good way to put it. I think a good thing for all of us out there, it may be obvious to a lot of people, but just that, that, that vernacular of saying science is self-correcting. We are, and also we are deal, dealing with a constantly evolving situation, a moving target. It is an invisible moving target. Um, you know, I, 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 I spoke and put out a PSA earlier about, I think, our general human reaction when we have an enemy or someone, something that's going to trespass and affect our own is to go out and meet it, which is exactly the opposite of what we need to do to beat this enemy. It, this enemy wants us in hand-to-hand combat. Um, and it, it, it's a different psyche that, 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 that we have to understand. It's a different kind of offense with what we consider playing defense, it's a different kind of offense to play to beat this enemy. I I like the way you put that, Matthew. In fact, uh, give me permission to use it. (laughs) Please. It's a a good metaphor. It really is. Good. Good, good, good. Um, So, look, when when COVID came on, this this question is going to lean a bit into politics. When COVID came on, I saw a possible upside of it being something that would unify our country in a common purpose to defeat a unanimous enemy that we all want to be. But it seems at present and so far that the opposite has happened. Even the simple question of wearing a mask to stop the spread has further put us in this awkward struggle to sort of learn the dance steps between economic survival and biological survival. Um, as a doctor, as a scientist, is it clear to you about which we should choose, the biological or the economic? Or is that also a continuous, evolving situation, moving target? Yeah. One of the, yeah, it's complicated, but I'll, I'll make it simple, Matthew. It's a good way to juxtapose them. You will never get a good marching back economically unless you control the biologic. You have to be able to control it. And one of the problems is in your understandable zeal to quickly get back to normal and revive the economy, you can do it if you do it in a measured, prudent way. The lesion that we've seen was the jumping over the benchmarks and the guideposts that have been put forth. So 
to think that you can ignore the biologic and get the economy back. It's not going to happen. Right. It's just not going to happen. You've got to do both. You've got to get control of the biologic as you carefully open the country. Controlled biologic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk sports for a minute. Okay. There's a lot of talk around, you know, what state schools, conferences think it's okay to play, what sports should be played. Uh, very basically, well, what's the medical risk for, that is maybe um, and it has its own? In, what does sport, how does the playing of sport? have its own individual risk and what are they uh, with, with the spread of, uh, of the virus um, and are there safer sports to play than others there are yeah, yeah. no good question there are one one sport versus another and where the sport is played and college versus pro where they travel college travel or you have a high school right. that stays in the same county there's a big difference so the fundamental potential problem is that in sports, particularly contact sports, but in many club type sports, you have the congregation of people together, which can cause what we call super spreader events. Super spreader events means not that one person is spreading it all around, but that one person gets infected. And then you have a team of 30 or 40 people. They get infected, many of them, because they're going to be young, Matthew, which means they're not gonna get a lot of them sick. They then go out into the community and then you wind up with community spread. When you get community spread, then you ultimately wind up getting to the vulnerable people who are gonna get into trouble. Now, that's the general principle. The individual things of how you can mitigate that is that some professional sports do this kind of bubble. You, you can afford it, test everybody, get them in a bubble every single day, no problem. One person gets infected, yank them out. When you're dealing with sports like in high school, well, you know, there's a difference between tennis and cross country versus football and rugby. Right. Because you have that kind of contact. So the other last point is it depends where you are. If you're in a high school in a green zone, and green means you have less than 5% positivity and less than 10 cases per 100,000 population. You could probably do sports the same way as you open the schools with relative impunity, so long as you're careful, you try to keep the distance, you get tested every once in a while. If you're in a red hot zone where the level of virus is so high, sure, you can try to do sports normally, but the chances are you're gonna get people infected and it's not gonna be easy to do. That's the reason why you see a lot of differences. Where you are, what the team is, is it professional, do they travel? The one thing you need to keep in mind is you have to pay attention and make your primary objective the safety, the health, and the welfare of the athletes and the personnel. I understand that. But I also, I would ask you, is there an argument within what you just said that, hey, green zones are not immune zones. They're, they're places with low numbers. Right. What if the green zones turn into red zones? But it could. That's the point. That's the right. reason why it's much easier. Well, 
you know, your question now is a great question, Matthew, because it relates to three or four of the other questions that you asked. They're connected. Yes. Because in a green zone, the chance of you being able to control an individual infection is so much greater than when you're in a, in a zone where there's community spread. Because once you get an infection, you have no idea where it's coming from because it's all over the community. It's the yes. same answer to opening the schools in a green right. zone versus a red zone. Understood. Okay. Still risky, but 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 more controllable. Okay. Um, we talked about this for a second. You mentioned it when we talked about how to do it safely. And this goes on. Can those risks of playing the sport can be mitigated by testing? For instance, at, at, at my alma mater, University of Texas uh, in Austin, the athletics department is testing twice a week um, EKG, echocardiogram, heart MRI, as well as isolating groups and wearing masks. Uh, the Big 12, our conference just said, yes, let's go forward and play football this fall. My school, other schools, is that good enough testing is that con- to control the situation in your opinion? Yeah. What they likely will do, Matthew, is that they will test everybody first to make sure that you start off on an even right. playing field. And then they will do it intermittently. That is probably the best they can do. If they are lucky, which I hope they are, because I'd love to see the sports that people enjoy, particularly in this time of stress, they could get away with it. They almost certainly are going to have a situation where somebody's going to get infected. The way they deal with it, how quickly they identify it, how quickly they get the person out of the pack and taken care of will determine whether they can go through the season. Right now, baseball is struggling because they really did the right thing. They were very, very careful in their protocol. And then we had the Miami Marlins situation and then the St. Louis Cardinals. where They're right, exactly, where they had to cancel games. So it's rocky. I hope they can complete the season. But, boy, it's it's give and take and and, and really touch and go. Um. So in this conversation where this conversation is also a moving target, and I really appreciate the context you give me. At the same time, I'm hearing this is a better way, you know, yeah, how do you control it? Uh, super spreader events, control the biologic, that will feed the economic. But we're still, people are doing it different ways. I want to say, if it goes back to what you what you said about it, we started this off about a mandate. A coalition, everybody unified in how we're going forward. Um, do you think that still think that the best way to be like, hey, what would you say if, there, if you had no economic concern right now? Would you shut it all? Would you say shut it all down? Everybody, mandate, no sports, no school. Everybody back. Take the tithe. Put in the pain right now. Let's hold out through the fall. Let's make it to twenty twenty one and have a look around and see where the dust settled and, and how we're doing and what our numbers are. Yeah. You had no economic right. uh, interest in the situ- in, in the situation, which there is an economic reality, the survival of that. I understand that. But if- Matthew, it goes beyond the economics. And let me tell you why. Because if you shut down, even if there was no economic issue, what happens is that psychologically it could be devastating. And if you're really shut down, children may not get their vaccinations. People don't go to hospitals when they get chest pain. People who follow up because they have an elevated PSA or a mammogram that's got something. 
There are yes. a lot of there's a lot of different things that could go wrong beyond the economy. That's the reason and why outside of COVID. You bet. And it's exactly. In fact, there's projections that if you stay shut down, the number of deaths unrelated to COVID will go up. The number of suicides, overdoses, uh, uh, family issues, such as child abuse and things like that, they all go up. So it goes beyond economic. A hundred percent. And, you know, we're having to weigh continually day by day, as you just brought up, um, one bad thing for another bad thing and and making choices. And somehow, some way, we're going to take a proverbial hickey. Um, and, and, and take a punch to the gut no matter which choice we we make. Um, so let's talk about, in this turn the page, marching orders out of here. What do we know? What are our bullet points that every one of us can say, put this down, this is simple. I expect it of myself, I expect it of you. The crisis is real. It's it's We are not through it. Fact, we got to bear down. Can we bear down? everyone together can we bear down as a nation as a people can we do that so far we have not proven we can do that can we bear down and really look this in the eye and go this is a real problem major problem and it's going to be here for a while we cannot be i think we're somewhat in denial of it still uh because of its how it's invisible in ways um gotta wear a mask that's consensus do we agree with that is that a fact you bet absolutely wear the damn mask wear the damn mask right come right. on not take all the free. Time. You Where does the badge of honor? Where does the badge of honor? Right? You bet. Come on. Civic duty. For me, for you, for all of us. Come on. Right. Social distance. Yes. This, what, what's the number? I hear six feet. I hear 18 feet. I hear you. At least six. At least six. All right? At Where's least six feet. At, at least six. Okay. And for goodness sakes, stay away from crowds. Just stay away from crowds. Try to be outside much more than inside. When you're inside, open the windows. Let the air in. That's really yes. important. Wash yes. your hands. And the thing that's important, and that is gets to the idea about responsibility. I mean, what I like to do when I'm working, I get home late at night, I love to go to a bar with my wife, have a, have a beer, have a hamburger, relax. Give it up for now. Bars are the hot spots. No hanging out in bars. Because we know when the bars get closed, the infection goes down. When people just let it rip and go to bars, it goes up. You know, I I often say, and I don't mean this to be provocative about it, you know, take your choice. You want to open the bars or you want to open the schools? You know, if you open the bars, you're going to have community spread that would make it more difficult to open the schools. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all have to myself included, have to really understand sort of the, a, a penance we need to individually take right now to get delayed gratification in the future. Um, I think we need to understand, or better understand the urgency. Um, I think we need to more weigh things like that. What do you want to open the schools or the bars? Weigh those scenarios. There, and, 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 and there's no magic bullet answer. There's not a magic solution here that we're going to go, ah, oh, we're out the other side if we just did that. Even if we all do what we need to do, we're going to go through a hard time, but we'll go through it for a much shorter time. And if we take more responsibility right now, we can have more freedom tomorrow. You bet. You bet. That's so well said. Absolutely. Come on. Well, 
look, you've got, you're in an awesome position. You are in an awesome position. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for taking the time here today. Um, you know, self-correcting science in this evolving situation with a, with a moving target. Um, that's, that's, that's not easy to have a hold of every single day when, when science, especially with this, uh, I wish you the best of, of heart and mind and, 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 and knowledge. And I hope, uh, you're able to share it in ways that, uh, that can give some clarity. You've given me some clarity today. Hopefully you've given a lot of people out there, uh, listening some clarity. Um, we got work to do. We got work to do. Thank right, you. Everybody, let's just pull up our bootstraps and do this thing so we can look back on this time later on and go, boy, we took the right responsibilities at the right time. And we made this through as best we could. But would you say it's fair to say we are at yeah. war with the virus? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, you, you know, I, I you don't want to get too metaphoric about it. But, you know, our country has been through some very, very difficult situations you know, we've been through a depression. We've been through a world war. I'm old enough to have been a baby during World War II, but I remember how the country absolutely pulled together. We pulled together after 9-11. This is equivalent to that, Matthew. We've got to pull together. Absolutely. That's it. Thank I, you. I, don't, I don't want to say much more. I like that right there. Let's pull together. All right. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll look at each other. We can have our freedom and our party later. Right now, let's pull together and do what we need to do. Thank you, Dr. Anthony Fauci, for your time. Godspeed, sir. You Godspeed too. Later. Thank you for having me, Matthew. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so that was uh, Matthew McConaughey questioning uh, Dr. Fauci on the various uh, rules that we have to follow in order to keep safe with this virus. I have a feeling that he has other information um, and I have a feeling that he wanted to get it documented from Dr. Fauci so that um, there might be like this little uh, medical war going on between what is right and what is wrong on this issue. It's just my own personal uh, thought about it. But anyway, my hat's off to Matthew McConaughey for going forward and doing what he did. Thank you, Matthew. That's great.